Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. I am your host, Alex Jones, and today joining me is only Jamie, unfortunately, but fortunate because it's Jamie, um, <laughs> but Chris isn't very well, so he's not here today. Yeah. Um, but Jamie, yes. you are more than enough for me to chat about games with. So thank you very much for being uh, here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to try and pretend I'm not suffering from hay fever at the moment because it's earlier in the morning than we usually record. So if I sound a bit blocked up, I am actually well. It's Chris who uh, cannot physically move right now, as I understand it. Yes, yeah, he's he's a little worse for wear, but hopefully he'll be all good by next week um, and he'll be back. Fingers crossed, uh, yeah. Your fingers crossed. For those of us, for those of us, for those of you who don't know, we are a gaming podcast. We are on YouTube. We are on all the top podcasting platforms. Uh, we are at Super Show Pod on Twitter as well. So please do reach out to us. We also have a Patreon, but a little bit more about that later. Um, Jamie, yeah. we're also internet radio megastars because we're on paisleyradio.com uh, every Thursday, 10 p.m. The show is. Um, I suppose it's almost like it's live. It's recorded, but it's live. What do you call that? A live recording? I don't even know. I think that's what you'd call that, yeah. You could just imagine we're live. Imagine we're in the room with you. Close your eyes and get taken away to a place probably far smellier than the place you're actually in. Absolutely. Um, And it repeats on Mondays as well, in case you miss it on the Thursday. So there are a myriad of ways to watch slash slash listen to us. Mm. So you have no excuse for missing the Super Show. But... Uh, I think we should jump right into the news stories this week, Jamie. Would you <laughs> Let's do it. It's going to be a, a mixed bag when it comes to the news we've got lined up this time. We've, we've got some interesting stuff. So um, we've got uh, the PlayStation State of Play to cover. We've also got uh, the long-awaited Nintendo Pro. Well, hey, well, um, well. Nah, that's how I'm going to frame not, it. Okay? Let's that's not throw the word framed. pro around too quickly. We'll get there. I, this is the only time I can use it, so okay. that's why I was doing it now. Uh, and a little bit of Assassin's Creed news, but to start with, it is um, Jamie's favourite topic when it comes to video games, and probably a lot of people out there. It is GTA 6, uh, because we've had some... I'm going to go with Chris's confirmed rumours around this, because um, there were some rumours bobbling around, and then they've kind of been... Uh, backed up by some big industry names so um we can i think we can say that they're probably reasonably accurate so they're pretty light on the ground but the rumors we've got so far are that it is um coming 2024 2025 so we could maybe guess q4 24 or q1 25 possibly i'm gonna say that yeah um uh it's gonna be a this is the, the most interesting one for me. The plan, it sounds, is to have a moderately sized GTA 6 when it launches and then get regular updates to expand it, which sounds, I don't know, that to me is the most worrying thing that I've heard about GTA, GTA for a long time. Because we are currently inundated with GTA Online um, and Red Dead Online stuff. They love, like, yeah. I don't know, what would you call it? Like, kicking that cash cow? I don't even kicking know. Kicking the can down Milking the road? It? Isn't no, like they they love to they love to milk those GTA. Oh uh, yeah, those, they're, um, they're, they're milking products. those milkers. They're milking them well, um, and so it sounds like they're going in with the plan to do that from the get go this time around. Right? Yes, I, I guess it also leaves open to question: What does the word "moderately" mean uh, in <laughs> in this context? What is a moderately sized GTA game given the size of the previous ones? I mean. I think the one nice thing to know is that we've probably gotten to the point, for most people anyway, where a bigger map size doesn't necessarily mean a better game. I think most people agree sure. on that nowadays. So that suggests that a moderately sized GTA 6, if that's referring to literally the map size, doesn't matter too much. But um, if that's referring to something like campaign length or, I, I don't know, just volume of content, 
it could be a strange launch, especially considering it will have been over 10 years since the previous GTA by the time this one comes out. So we'll see. I'm See, I'm... I'm not going to suggest it would be episodic, but I'm guessing from that they mean it's going to be a smaller campaign size and that they will then add additional content. Um, I mean... Which would make sense if they were attempting to kind of keep... Because you've got to imagine with GTA and to a lesser degree Red Dead, you have a core who play the the game, the campaign mode, um, and then you have a section of those people who then carry on to play the online section. Right. Um, and who keep putting money into the game on the long term. I wonder if this is a way to kind of try and pull some more of those those people that play the initial campaign along on the journey into the online world by saying it doesn't end when the game ends, guys. It's content keeps coming out, you know, more story, more this, more that. Yeah, and, and to be fair, that was something they suffered with maybe a little bit with Red Dead Online, right, where the transition from Red Dead 2 to Red Dead Online didn't work for as many players as it did for GTA 5 to GTA Online. And I feel like a lot of people suffered from that lack of content and i remember a lot of people being excited for red dead online being willing to give it a fair shot because that world was so engaging you created your character you got ready to go you went out to the world and you're kind of like the fuck do i do like i don't i don't get it and i I, yeah that's me speaking from experience as well i didn't really know what to do (laughs) once i was set free in that open world so you know trying to bridge that gap a little bit more by reducing the differences at least in theory between that base game that you're used to playing in the single player experience and what gta online has to offer in the future could make sense but then i don't know i'm I'm also with you that a little that i'm a little bit not concerned but just caught off guard by some of these rumors you know um, um so yeah i should touch on a couple of the other ones um so they've uh, said that the NPCs will have, um, I'm dubbing, an adaptive awareness, so they will know uh, where they are with regards to the city. So they've also said it will be based in Vice City. Um, so when it comes to driving, for example, or they'll, they will know if they're in a town, they'll know if they are on a motorway or a highway, as the Americans would say. Um, and so they will change how they act um, with where they are, which makes sense. Um, you know, NPCs are getting smarter, I guess, as games get... Well, hot, so. you know, a certain Polish well, uh, world RPG from last year might beg to differ. <laughs> Let's not. See, Jonesy, why not. would you make your AI advance? Why would you make them adaptive or even aware? We could just make them disappear. <laughs> you can't, yeah, pop in, just pop out. Yeah, just turn your back <laughs> to you them and they're gone. Just like, if gone. The, if the, Jonesy, if the player can't see them, were they ever really there? This is true. Cyber, Cyberpunk I think about that. was the manifestation of that old thing of like, if a tree falls over in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, Descartes, right? Cogito, I go some. How do you know anything is real except for yourself? You don't. Like Jamie, when we end this podcast, how do I know that you even exist? I guess you don't. I could just exist solely in this Discord window that you're looking at me through. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the most advanced AI on planet Earth. You could be. Maybe something. Maybe you disappeared the last time I saw you, which actually wasn't very long yeah. ago. So here's the, the <laughs> I real saw you truth. In the flash. I'm actually the AI that Rockstar are using as the basis for their NPC uh, awareness model. Um, Hell so yeah. Get ready for that. That would be great. That would be brilliant. Um, it's, it, this is what's. Uh, this is interesting to me because obviously we talk about Red Dead uh, 2 and how good the NPCs were in that, and how good the world was. And I think a part of that was the way that you interacted with NPCs and how you got to engage in the environment. So if they're talking about, I don't know, in a lot of other games, I would kind of think it was less important. For example, if um, Ubisoft said, oh, we're, we're making the NPCs in Watch Dogs better, I'd be like, oh, all right. 
But when it comes to Red Dead <clears throat> or GTA or whatever, I think that's wicked because yeah. that brings that world slightly more to life, um, which I'm excited and about. And it, it makes sense, or at least it tracks with what we heard about the development of Red Dead 2, right? Which is that one of the reasons that took a little while longer than some people thought, although it's, you know, child's play compared to the way we've had since. Um, yeah. Was that they apparently kept going back to the drawing board because every time they went to the powers that be and said, hey, here's what we're working on, the feedback was like, guys, this isn't enough. Like, we can't just make another open world game. We can't just make another game with, you know, NPCs that walk around, you know, on their usual pathing and, you know, a story that does this. Like, we need to do something more. And that's where a lot of those advancements in sort of, you know, dynamic events and what people describe as uh, emergent gameplay. I think that's the, I don't know, right. I'm, you know, some of that vocab is, you know, not, I'm not that up to snuff with it. But I can see a situation where some people at Rockstar are super concerned about what does GTA 6 look like. And obviously the longer you wait to make that game, the bigger that question gets and the harder it becomes to answer. But I guess we've finally got some clues, right? That's what this is about. Um the murmurings are all important when it comes to GTA because yeah. we have to wait so long between iterations and we have no idea because they're so good at keeping secrets, which is, right. I, I, I think we've said before, better than any other developer oh, in the industry. I right? think they are the biggest like contrast, the biggest gap between the audience's desire for knowledge and information and the lack of stuff that comes out of that company. Like they are the unleakiest chip in the industry that had the most people... We're watching them at any one time, so it's kind of remarkable. Um, what's the um, what's the the movie with uh, Wesley Snipes where he's the drug like kingpin and he kingpin and he makes the, his the staff thing. work? Naked. I think that's just real life. No, he went to jail. <laughs> no, um, well, that was a I don't know. All, all I remember what is, is that the, all I remember is Blade and New Jack City. Oh, New Jack City. New Jack okay. City. Yeah, I think that's the one where he makes his employees work naked so they can't steal the drugs. Right. It's like a rock star. Everyone has to go like, they just walk in just in pants and vest, like when you're a kid at school and you're not allowed to take any notepads, any USBs with you. They, they just take a Polaroid of everyone completely naked on their first day and they're like, you know what we'd do with this if anything ever comes out. Um, but yeah, was it the is it the Huddy Trap? Yeah. The Russian thing where they used to get people to get in like compromising situations. Oh, is that what that film was about with you? Jennifer Lawrence? Red Sparrow. Uh, yes, she was like oh, she was yeah, like a Russian least, agent yeah. that was like trained to be super sexy and seduce American men, American soldiers. Oh, I didn't uh, see the film, but yeah, I think so. I guess so. Yeah, because I know the Honey Trap was when yeah Russian spies, very attractive Russian women, would like, get with American diplomats, and then they'd be like, "We're gonna tell everybody and show them the video if you don't uh, give us all your secrets." There you so go. maybe that's what maybe that's what Rockstar maybe. are doing, but. So this, um, this I don't, should we call it a leak? These rumours came originally from Tom Henderson, um, but he got a bit of backlash. I don't know who Tom Henderson is because, Jamie, so, you told me about this. But um, yeah. he's, a, he's a pretty, what, what do you well, say, like a, a, um, a respectable rumour guy. It, it, he's released a few things in the past that have been... Well, yeah, I guess so. Like, the, the state of the world of gaming insiders right now has probably never been stranger, uh, at least in recent times, to my right. memory. Because obviously... There are so many platforms nowadays and so many people trying to wrestle for clout. So many people that get like sort of one thing right and are put on a pedestal. It's really hard to say. Tom Henderson, to be fair, is someone who has been around for a little while. He doesn't work for or write for a reputable organization. He kind of acts independently, as far as I can tell. The things that he has been right about in the past or has at least clearly had some kind of knowledge about have been largely Battlefield and Call of Duty related. 
But he started speaking about GTA inside the last half of months, and then I think to pick up the thread that you were, uh, you know, the, that you were going to go down, um, he got some backlash because basically Jason Schreier had been involved in GTA stuff before. He did a little bit of reporting on it last year. Schreier got put in this awkward situation where he was basically asked when the game was going to come out because some people thought it was going to be 2021 and some people thought it was going to be 2023. And Schreier said in response to that, I think 2023 is the more likely of the two. This, then removed from that original reporting, got translated into Jason Schreier thinks GTA 6 is coming out in 2023, which is not actually what he said. So people took Tom Henderson's thing about 2024, 2025 and be like, you're wrong, Schreier said 23. Schreier came out and said, I didn't actually say 23 if you look at what I said. Oh, and by the way, everything that Tom Henderson has said is lines up with what I've heard. Um, right. And then a third source, VGC, who are also, they're a website, but they've also done a bit of leaky insidery stuff over the last handful of months as well. They came out and being like, hey, just so everyone knows, we can also confirm that what both Jason and Tom have said can lines up with what we've heard. Um, interesting though, of course, and something that we get to talk about later on in the podcast, uh, people can get things very wrong, um, because we will be talking about the Switch oh, yeah. Pro in a bit. Honestly. Oh, I'm not, I wasn't even on camera then, like, I'm all sideways. Um, half, sorry, go on. Half, yeah. Including the state of play, half of this podcast is us about is about us being ha- only half right about things that leakers or insiders have told us about. Yes, yes, which is... Um, Maybe, I don't know, is it better like that? Is it better if it's a little... Maybe it is. It'd be a bit boring if everything leaked and was accurate and we already knew everything before True. it came out. It adds a little bit of flavour yeah. if we don't know. Um, and and I know, guess what's going on. the other thing that's funny about these GTA 6 rumours is actually, you know, integral to the rumours itself, which is that if you believe what these guys are saying, you also believe that the next GTA game is four and a half years away, which, even at Rockstar's pace, is a long-ass time, like... That's Hell enough yeah. time to scrap everything that we've just talked about and start again, if we're being honest, with the size of those studios and the fact that most Rockstar Studios work together on one single product at the moment. You can fucking... You can make a GTA game in four and a half years. I don't care. Like, you can do it if you want to. So they can start again tomorrow as far as I'm concerned. But still. it gets It's one of those things... It must be really difficult for them because I imagine the problem is if you plan out a game and you give yourself the length of time that they give themselves to make a GTA game... You gotta, you gotta think that the whole industry can change massively in the space of time you are doing development. So you go and you have all your meetings and your planning sessions, and then eight years later, or however long it is, and you're still like four years away from making a game, and you've got to then think, yeah. oh, sorry, from releasing a game, everything could change so much that actually you don't, oh. you know, you don't quite fit in the um, what do they call it, the zeitgeist. Yeah. It doesn't really work in the same way. So I mean, some of the most uh, extreme examples of that in sort of like the last, let's say couple of decades have been games that have got got so caught up in development they've missed console windows and just got caught up trying to catch up with whatever the latest technology was and as a result with nightmares and two games that come to mind i think duke nukem forever was one that was around for so long that again by the time it came out it was fucking cooked and uh the other one was remember two human um yes that was another one i think it was meant to be a dreamcast game ended up coming out in the 360 and ps3 fucking nightmare um and there we go. Ironically, the the uh, opposite problem that Cyberpunk had, given that it was should yes. come out solidly on the PlayStation Four and apparently was developed for the PlayStation Six or um or, or whatever. Yeah. Imagine a world in which CD Projekt Red had never mentioned the previous gen consoles, and they could just release Cyberpunk this Christmas without having to worry about 
and having spent this whole time not worrying about the uh, the base uh, consoles, the base PS4 and the Xbox One, or even actually any of them. Yeah, just but focus that's, on but that's the- what I'm saying. Like, but it's it's almost borderline PlayStation Five. It's more PlayStation Six. It's more like next gen of consoles. Next, next gen, possibly. So just to let another next, seven next years CD Projekt Red. That's the trick you're yeah. missing. Yeah, yeah. It's all about uh, Cyberpunk 2078. Um, anyway, let's move on to a comment of the week. Um, and I must love. I don't know what the word is. Is it? I must be a bit of a masochist. Is that a ma- is it a masochist when you like to hurt yourself? Yeah. Because this uh, someone calling me out, but I think is fair enough, and I'm not going to even. Um, I'm not even going to say this is wrong. This comes from Chris Barton, who says, "Listening to the Dead Space conversation makes me think that Jonesy wants safe space." <laughs> I like that. I I have never been great with scary games. I've always been like I can I have to have someone else in the room. I can't play them. Like, I don't mind scary films. I quite like scary films. But I can't... With games, I think it's because I'm there and I'm too involved and I just become the character that they freak me out when something just, like, jumps out at you. And I remember the first time in a game I got freaked out was Half-Life when it originally released and the little face-huggy things jump out right at the beginning and they scared the crap out of me. Mm. Um, yeah, and and Dead Space was another one that when I played it, I really struggled to play because I was always like... I remember where I, I remember living in Brighton in a flat and my girlfriend at the time, uh, now wife, <laughs> I had to be like, can you come and sit with me? And she'd be like, are you playing that game again? I was like, yeah. <laughs> was that the first one or the second one? It, the first one. Okay. Yeah, the first one. I mean, to be fair, the first one was a very tense and scary experience. And it was. Uh, I maybe preferred Dead Space 2 a little bit for that reason because I'm a bit of a pussy as well at heart. But I think... I don't know. I don't know if this tracks for you, Jonesy. Let me know. But I feel sometimes that horror is almost less defined. This is in games, at least, where you know there's actual you know player interaction, unlike movies. But it's less defined by what's actually happening and sort of jump scares and enemy design and how dark a level is. And actually, sometimes more defined by the amount of agency I have in the situation. So if I'm playing as right. a character who is inherently quite strong and well-equipped for that situation, which I think Isaac pretty much is by that second game. Because remember in the second game, even if you ran out of ammo, you still had telekinesis and you could lift up like poles and sticks and even en- enemies' limbs and like fucking hurl them I back. I don't them. think I played the second one. I think I think I bought the second one and then never played it. Uh, it, um, it was good. It was good. I don't remember why. It ended up being that sort of like Resident Evil 4-style mil- middle ground of like, actually, I feel like right. I am playing as someone who has... Um, well, in that case, an attaché case full of weapons that can fucking shred these bad guys to bits. Um, and Isaac felt pretty badass. Plus, there was a uh, like a designated stomp button where you could just like stamp right. on people, and he would go ah ah like, every time. And I really liked that. So not scary. Yeah, that is that is pretty cool. I think the the thing for me from on uh, in Dead Space One was I'd not long made the transition from PC gaming to uh, console. Right, of course. Um, and trying to do the trying to use the aim with the sticks and use the like early game stuff where you, you're trying to use the plasma cutter to take the legs off the necromorphs because, as they were coming towards you, like ah! And I would try and and I wish my aim was rubbish. So if I missed and you had limited ammo, obviously as well, you were in real trouble. And it would be like a really tense moment mm. where they would be almost getting me. And then I'd be stressing out because I wouldn't have any ammo. So then I'd be like, oh my goodness, what happens if something comes out of another vent and I'm just like stuck here? What am I going to do? And it, yeah, it would like freak me out. But thank you, Chris Barton, for calling me out as the uh, safe space wet blanket that I am. There you go. 
What can I say? I'm, I, all I'm um, glad you're not in charge of the Dead Space reboot. That's what I'll say. Ah, see, that's it. The interesting thing about that is I don't think I would change it because now I'm much more of a console gamer anyway, so I don't think I would have the same oh, issues yeah, but, that no, I Oh, yeah, but I mean, people in your team would come to you with concept art and you'd start crying. Oh. No, because the art and, and videos are fine. Like, I'm fine. It's no, just no. the playing. It's, it's If I was the game tester, <laughs> I'd be like, it's too scary. Okay. Change it. All right, good. Now we know what I job didn't... you shouldn't be applying for then. Yeah. I like imagining the scary stuff. Uh, I don't like being part of it. Although, do you know what I bought today? Because it was on sale. Tell me. Resident Evil 2. Oh, the, the remake. Remake, yeah. Nice, that's a very good game. Because uh, we played a bit of that um, when we were over in Germany, I believe, when we were at the NVIDIA. Oh, yeah. Was that the NVIDIA thing? I'd forgotten all about uh, that. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and I played, do you know what? I played that on an RTX 2080 um, while you were being swept around, being all important. They were like... The minions, which which I was part of, you can go and play some games. So I played some um, <laughs> oh, uh, Metro. I played some you Metro play some and Metro I played some Resi stuff. Two. Yeah. And with an RTX, I loved it. I thought it looked incredible. Uh, it's a really cool game, and I really I really liked the update they'd done to that because I liked the old Resident Evil games when I was younger. Um, and I've wanted to get them for ages, but it's one of those ones where you never feel like it doesn't feel uh, like an imperative. It's not like something you have to do. Right. It's not like I need to play it now. Um, and then I saw today on Steam, it popped up and said, a massive sale on Resi games. So I was nice. like, hey, let me, uh, let that's me a very good Resident game. And it's kind of, they did a very good job of capturing that original Resident Evil spirit and staying true to those originals while uh, making them make sense for a modern audience. I think you'll enjoy it. Not too scary either. And um, No, no. Yeah. It felt, when I played the bit I played before, it felt more like a something that, you know, similar to games I've played more recently with the, uh, how it felt. It didn't feel as sort of, I, I remember being scared by Resi 1 back in the day. And well, Resi, Resi 1 had some big jump scares, to be fair as well, yeah. as well as just being generally creepy. Resi 2 has, there's a scary element to it that I did not like, uh, not for actual like critical reasons, but just because, as I said earlier, I'm a bit of a pussy. Um, I, I don't know if you've forgotten about it, uh, but uh, I'm interested to see when you get to that part of your Resident 2 playthrough. Nice. Well, yeah, hopefully... Oh, um, hopefully and by the way, you know you were talking about that NVIDIA event and how I swept away being... A, do you know what I was actually doing? And I was actually kind of rumbled by the situation <laughs> at the time. I was playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider because that was the oh, right. kind of the marquee game, I think, or at least one of the marquee games that they were trying to promote alongside the RTX. This that was, was it, the start yeah. of the RTX cards being rolled out and ray tracing being a thing. Um, and so I had to have a, a specific appointment to stop. And it was Battlefield as well. I had specific appointments where I had to play Battlefield and Tomb Raider. And I came out thinking like, oh yeah, there's going to be queues for everything else. That's why they did appointments. That's why I had to go and play these two games. And you were just sat there just playing Resident Evil, a game I maybe would have rather played than Tomb Raider. But um, that, uh, I think we that's happened to us a few times, isn't it? I think we were at E3 and uh, you were like, I said I'd played something. And you were like, oh, no, you it was, I was like, there's yeah, nobody it was, there. Um, Again, was that Kingdom Hearts? It was, it was another appointment. Yeah, I so I had to. I got that. you and me were the only ones there. For anyone wondering, why Chris didn't go. He didn't come that year. But um, I had an appointment to go and play Sekiro, which not not my cup of tea. I never played a Soulsborne really. Um, not very good at them. But I went played Sekiro. Got given a T-shirt that didn't fit. I think I gave it to you in the end. And I came out and <laughs> you did. You at the time you were playing Spyro, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Right. That game was that yeah. And you told me you played Kingdom Hearts, and I was like. This was at a time where Kingdom Hearts wasn't out yet. It was probably still like seven or eight months away. And yeah. I, I, I remember not believing you, basically. So I was like, why would Kingdom you did, Hearts... You were, you were saying, 
Yeah. I remember you, th- you were like, no, you play, maybe you played a different a game with a similar title. I was like, dude, I was playing Kingdom well, Hearts Well, because also, like, like, if you wanted to queue up to play, I'm thinking, like, what was there that summer? I remember Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Well, we we yeah. queued up for Spider-Man. How long did you say that took? Oh, an hour, at least. Yeah, so I just thought the idea that Jonesy just rocked up and played Kingdom Hearts, I thought he got it confused with something else, but yeah. That, Spider- think, that um, Spider-Man queue was... Ludicrously yeah. long, yeah. But worth it. Worth it. Worth it. Um, yeah, no, for, for, I think the reason, for people that don't know, um, E3, back when it was a physical thing, they used to have a day or two, and I think it was a day where it was like press only, um, and then the day, the couple of days after that is where the public go in. That was, that so was on the press days. The year that we went, 2018. It, so before yes. that, it was actually all press. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, but the public day, because we went back on the public day and it was absolutely rammed. But mm. on the press day, uh, it wasn't too bad, so we did get to play a few more things. But... That is old news, um, and we need to move on to some new news. But before we do that, let's quickly check in with our Patreons. Um, we do have a Patreon. We are patreon.com forward slash super show. If you would like to support us, uh, you can support us for as little as $2, and you can get onto our Discord server, um, and you can chat to us. You can tell us uh, that we like safe spaces only, like the um, lovely Chris Barton told me, although that was in the YouTube comments. That wasn't on Patreon. Um, but it's time to give a bit of a shout-out to some of our Patreons. So uh, shout-out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy. Guys, I'm trying to read the Patreon names names out. Stop tickling my toesy-woesies. Great name. Uh, yes for Camdown Nielsen, Javela Cujo, Lonnie Thompson, Magic Grits, Mindful Pig, Nathan Pierce, Pastors Guild, Scary Omens, Starfall Kid, Zach Cream, and the big dogs. They are Shellshock, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, Peaswad, and The Dude Abides. And thank you so much to all of you guys and to all of our other Patreons. Uh, you keep us coming back week after week. You keep the lights on. Um, so we are incredibly grateful. Uh, I know Chris would say the same thing if he was here as well. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. But even if you are not a Patreon, you can uh, leave a comment below the video. You can reach out to us on Twitter. Um, any of those good things, any interaction, uh, sort of keeps us keeps us sort of bubbling up in the in the algorithms that exist <laughs> online. So engage, engagement is the name of the game. Um, but apart from that, Jamie, I want to know what you've been playing this week. I know that you've finally finished up some big stuff so well yeah I, I well, like, can, c- collectively something big I collectively say, yeah because I, I don't know if anyone remembers but i've been trying to avoid talking about mass effect because i wanted to get it all done rather than i mean i've been playing this trilogy now for well since that came out so almost two months i think and that would be a lot of podcasts to give incremental updates on mass effect on yeah so i can come out now and say i've officially finished that trilogy and i think it is still really 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 good uh i was genuinely stunned by just how drawn in I was by that world and that writing and those characters, especially. Um, I don't know. I'm just, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? I'm so used to falling off remasters because you get all excited. You get that little, you know, you know, endorphin hit that you were looking for when you first boot up and you're like, wow, it's the game that I remember, but it looks like this. And then that sort of fades away and you become a lot more familiar with the game you're actually playing, and you're reminded of a lot of the things you hadn't actually forgotten since the first time you played, and then before you know it, you've kind of fallen off. And that's why I end up in situations, I think the example I used was uh, the Bioshock trilogy, where I dragged my ass over the line to finish that first one. to took me way too long, and I never even started Bioshock 2. And I was like, oh, well, right, yeah. yeah, I still haven't finished Bioshock 1, because yeah. uh, I keep getting abuse for So if you'd have told me that I would not just start, but finish the entirety of the Mass Effect trilogy through this Legendary Edition, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but it happened. And I'm, I'm really glad I did it, and I recommend 
to anyone sitting on the fence, even if you're, you know, a, a one-time player or a lap, like whatever, whatever your situation, I was genuinely stunned by how much I just wanted to keep going back to these games over and over and over again. I, w- I would start, uh, you know, finish a game, like finish Mass Effect or Mass Effect 2 and start the next in the series that night, staying up till two, three, four in the morning, just playing these games. I really, really got invested again. Um, that's probably a good way to do it because I imagine if you if you got to the end of a game and then you had a break, you may have maybe you would have uh, would not have jumped in quite as quickly to the, the next I, one, but I, you kept it going. I, I took was... one break, which was between two and three, and that was for Ratchet and Clank. And with hindsight, you know, it uh, it came, went okay. I think actually the more reasonable, the more sensible break to make, uh, narratively speaking, is probably between one and two, uh, because yeah. I'd forgotten how much two and three almost flow into each other. Um, but yeah, it, it holds up surprisingly well. Uh, so many great moments, so many sad moments, so many things that honestly made me emotional again, even though I knew they were going to happen. And um, it's also interesting playing those games with all the DLC sort of integrated into your playthrough. Some of it makes some more, more sense than others. Um, and obviously, as I think we all know by now, they did release a lot of sort of changes and, and DLC around the ending of Mass Effect 3, so that now... Like, it's still the ending of Mass Effect 3, or endings, I should say, but they probably make more sense than they would have done if you'd played it at launch. Um, right. At least they're all explained a little bit better, and there's more context given to you know the repercussions of your choices. Um, but yes, uh, I'm very glad, Jonesy, that I was regaled another Tale of the Shepherd. Um, See, I'm, I'm in such a weird place. Like, I've got so many games to finish off. I don't want to buy any more. I don't want to get, although I did get Resident Evil 2 today because I'm an idiot. Um, I am a serial game star. Like, I'm, I'm like a kid who just, who always wants the next thing. Uh, and when it comes to games, like, I, this, my thing with Mass Effect was I got Mass Effect 3 when it came out. Yeah. And loved the first hour, two hours, hour so much that I immediately stopped playing it, bought Mass Effect 2 because I wanted to enjoy that from 2 to 3 because everyone said, don't worry about playing 1. Like, 2 and 3 are the continua- like a continuation. Um, and then played, like, probably... F- I don't even know, 20 hours of, of Mass Effect 2 um, and loved it, but then didn't finish it. So they never got on to three. Yeah. And now and now I'm like, I should really pick up the trilogy. Um, <sighs> but it's tough. I think I'm going to have to, I think I'm going to have to hold off because, because yeah. It's, um, they're, they're tighter and slightly more linear than I think people might have expected. And it's easy in this world of sort of Skyrims and Witcher 3s that we live in to look back on the Mass Effect games as probably these exorbitant, open-ended, you know, ridiculously... Uh, long games but they're actually not they're surprisingly tight um but at the same time to play all three would would take time yeah takes it takes a decent amount of time um anything there was that it was so that was uh, your main thing that, that you that, that's honestly been my focus like I, I haven't really wanted to play anything else while i've had a mass effect game on the go i've got things installed i've got things that i have picked up in recent sales much like you did with resident evil 2 so um and I also think I owe it to Chris to uh, at least play a little bit of Psychonauts by the time he uh, right. is better and, and comes back next week. So, um, yeah, I've got I've got some things to do. Um, trying to think of anything's coming out. Nothing major's coming out super soon, right? I think um, we've got a couple of things to talk about uh, from the PlayStation State of Play um, that are coming out relatively soon. But yeah, no, I don't think there's anything. Uh, okay. This uh, oh no, there is what else? There is something coming out this month, isn't there? I, I know that Formula One's coming ah, out this month. Well, but that's I was going to say, 
What were you thinking yeah, of? This is one that, from the state of play that I saw, and I was like, wow, that looks really good. I might have to play it, is uh, Tribes of Midgard, which comes out this month. So, oh, okay, um, yeah. <clears throat> which I think we had mentioned before. I think you and Chris had talked about as well. So Yeah, that's one that but, Chris is I. Uh, Formula One comes out this month. Skyward Sword HD comes out this month. Uh, obviously, some people are looking forward to that. Tribes of Midgard, as you said. The Ascent, that's one that's coming to Game Pass, so I'll pick that up. And also, apparently, do you remember Little Devil Inside? This is one I was surprised wasn't at the state of play, not to jump the gun. Uh, maybe. It had, I'm not sure. The it, name rings it was a bell, a, but I'm not sure. It was an indie game that had a trailer last year at one of the PlayStation events. Had a, a really cool, sort of unique look to it. Um, and it had this very strange comedic trailer where it was like this, you know, kid going on these adventures fighting monsters but also this old guy going about his life and there's one oh, point where he takes a dump yes. and it drops and it changes into a bomb or something like that there's a really weird transition i think i saw this and was like wow that's a jamie and chris game well that game is meant to be out this month but so who knows um oh, okay interesting yeah i'd forgotten all about that uh, another game that didn't i'm not okay, i'm jumping the gun again but like another game that wasn't at the state of play kenna bridge of spirits that's meant to be out next month wow yeah, that was quite. They were pushing that quite a lot, and this this state of play was a like a, a looking quite near future. So that's surprising. Yeah. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's a a little, um, you know, little nod to the fact it's going to be get pushed. It's not actually going to come out. Maybe anyway. I'm jumping the gun on the state of play, James. You haven't even told us what you've been playing this week. What do you know? What talking about the fact that I can't stop playing new games all the time. I've played two new games in the last week. Of course, I've you played, fucking have. Of course, I have. I I've, I've played the Spectrum Retreat. Uh, which was a free game was, on Epic. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't pick it up because I'm lazy. But yeah, and another one that I'd had in my wish list on Steam, which uh, was like knocked down in price, which was um, Tron Run or Tron Runner. Um, okay. Which is, I'm obsessed with Tron. I have been since I was a little kid. Um, and so any like Tron game comes out, I'm always like, I need to get on that. I need to play it. It's it, now. So I'll start with Tron Runner. So that was. It's fine. It's very much of a, you know, a uh, a run style game where you're running. Yeah. I'd blame I don't even know. Away from the camera, it's all very Tron-y looking and you have to jump and throw your disc and do whatever. It's exactly what you'd imagine, to be fair. It's, it's not oh, a, so it's a it's a runner. Yeah, it's a runner. It's a runner with a Tron skin, so oh, it's it's okay. fine. But the one thing that sort of grabbed me a bit more was um the Spectrum Retreat, because I I'm getting quite into my um sort of slightly weird uh mystery games. I've played a few more in the recent sort of like years than I think I ever would have done. Okay. And this is a, I don't know how to sort of say it. It's, it, very, it feels influenced by a few other games. If you play it, you, it does feel influenced by things like some maybe, um, I don't I don't want to say it in case people sort of say, well, it's nowhere near as good as that. But um, something like Portal, it's got a bit of that humour. There are sort of like these synthetic beings knocking around. It also has a, so it has a, almost like a, it doesn't, but it feels like you're playing the old Deathloop style thing where you repeat the same thing again and again. Okay. But it's not like that. You don't repeat the same day. You, it's just the world f- sort of repeats itself around you. And that's actually something that happens in the game. So every day you go to bed and you wake up and then all the little robots that are around repeat everything they did in the, the previous day. And you right. have to do what you did before. Otherwise they, they go, oh, this is, you're weirding me out. But it's in, it's a small like indie more game. So it's not that detailed you can't actually do many other different things you just kind of have to do what they want you to do so go and eat your dinner in the restaurant and then you progress to the next step interesting that side is there does it seem like there's going to be some kind of a you mentioned portal but some kind of a twist on the formula like there's going to be some point where you know 
Yeah, so it's it's very much of a. I think I've nearly finished it. Um, so the main the main mechanics of the actual gameplay are uh, puzzle elements. So whilst you have this kind of um, mystery around a hotel, which is called the Spectrum Retreat that you're staying in, and you have these robots that run it, yes, um, and you have to follow your same little patterns. You then get into the gameplay sections, which are where you go into a, a different. I suppose you like different set of rooms, I'd say, where you have uh, puzzles that are based around colours and light. So you have to sort of take, you have to uh, be holding a red light to go through a red door kind of thing. Um, And you have to pick up a red light. But in order to pick up the red light, you have to swap the light you're holding. So if you're holding a white light, you can go through a white door, but then you might find the red light on the other side of the white door and you need to get the red light out of the room that's, got the white light on it <clears throat> it's yeah it's a it's a puzzler it's a puzzler okay. you can play it for about two seconds and everyone will be like oh okay i totally get what i'm supposed to do okay. here um and then every time you complete uh, a set of puzzles you can then progress to the next floor of the hotel I, I guess what i'm asking though is that like so you mentioned uh, uh mystery elements for example do you think there's going to be oh. a point in the game where as in a case of like Portal or Portal 2, the narrative almost grabs a hold of the puzzle game structure and starts to mess with things a little bit? Or does it not seem like one of those? Does it seem a bit more cut and dry? So the puzzle stuff seems more cut and dry because the puzzles are almost separated off from the game world, the, the, the hotel okay. part of the game world. But the game world for sure has one of, has that element mm-hmm. where it says everything starts going wacky and you're going to find out the truth behind the situation. There you go. Um, yeah, it's very much influenced by games that you've seen before where it's actually more about something else and something else is going on and your family are involved and you start to see things in the world that are from your old life. Yeah. Um, so the, the premise is you can't remember um, as we've seen. In that sounds before. like a video you, game. Yeah. It sounds like a video game. You can't remember and you have to work your way through and you remember more and more. And there's a little voice in your head and she and it comes to your headphones and is like, I can't tell you what's going on right now, but you need to just do this and you need to do that. And, it's cool though. I, I've liked it, and as a free game um, on uh, Epic, yeah, it's it's cool, and it's a short game as well, which is um, always good when you've got to smash through something. When you're buying, so, yeah, enjoyable. When you're buying games every week, because you know the other yeah. thing is not not to call you out on this, but there was one point actually think, thinking back on it now, it may have been a demo, but I was on Steam the other day, and you were playing something new that you haven't even talked about in the podcast yet you haven't even mentioned it in passing to chris or myself oh i do that all the time though i play if i play an hour of a but game this was, but this was like a brand new game that like you that was getting a bit of buzz that you would have had to have stopped and bought unless you were playing the demo oh what was it, it was phantom abyss oh yeah i did play a bit of phantom abyss, but like yeah. did you just randomly buy phantom abyss yeah, I watched some uh i watched some stuff from it and i thought this is really cool and then i played it for a couple of hours to be fair, I've played it more than an hour. I've played it a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> See, folks, this is a little insight into just how many games Jonesy actually plays. He's actually on top of all the hot new releases, plays them all for a couple of hours each, writes up his previews. Just because he doesn't share it with us doesn't mean that he's not all over it. But do you know what? The problem is if, if I don't get my, if I don't get like my, I don't know what the term is. If I don't get my hooks into a game, for whatever reason, I almost don't feel like there's any point mentioning it. Like, so Phantom Abyss is a, is a cool game, and I will play more of it. Yes, but it felt it's something that I played for a couple of hours and was like, "Oh, so this is a cool concept." I'm enjoying. Uh, what this. we're saying is that Phantom Abyss good, but not as good as Tron Runner. 
Uh, with Tron Runner, again, I played for uh, like a couple of hours, but I stopped playing Phantom Abyss so I could play some more Spectrum Retreat because I was I, that was a cool wow. mystery kind of thing and I was progressing quite quickly through it. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let me, let me play some more Spectrum Abyss. And let me play some more Spectrum Retreat. Um, <laughs> blimey, I'm getting confused now. Phantom Abyss, for people that don't know, is actually a cool concept, which is that you are, you've got a, um, I think it's first person. It's almost yes. a little bit, not, I wouldn't say mirror's edge, but it's this, the idea that you've got to run through an environment and you've got to make, uh, it's a platform and you've got to make jumps and you've got to jump over traps and sorts of things. And you've got three lives um, to make it through. And if you die, you cannot do that run again. Um, and the next sort of level you try and do, everything will have changed. Yes, it's um, like, be, like it's got some Indiana Jones comparisons, right? Because of the whip, the whip. I don't. Maybe the whip doesn't feel like a whip. The whip feels more like a what's the thing in um, uh, Titanfall where it's like a, oh, like a, a grappling thing hook. that shoots out. It's more like a sh- yeah, a shoot yeah, grappling oh, hook right, yeah. whip. But yeah, I think the idea is that the, yeah. those dungeons in Phantom Abyss are procedurally generated, all those shrines, whatever you want to right. call them, and each one can only ever be claimed by one human player. So when you get yes. to the end of it, you kind of claim that one for yourself and you get the, you know, the whatever artifact there is at the end. And that's it. It's almost taken out of rotation. So each of them are sort of procedurally generated, built out of these different blocks. And Well, I think it's I think it's slightly more squirrely than that. I think that what happens is you have a pyramid, they call it like a pyramid, right? Mm. And to get to the pyramid, you have to go through like six uh, different um, dungeons, and the dungeons have all different traps in, and every dungeon is procedurally generated. Right. And if you fail the dungeon three times, you can then go back into the pyramid, but the dungeon will be different. Um, you, and if you make it to the next, let's say you make it three floors down in the dun- in the temple and then die, you go all the way back to the beginning and you have to try again. But each temple only has one person who can claim the ultimate prize from that temple, and then that temple goes forever, um, is from what I understand. And then there's a new temple. Um, but yeah, but I, I haven't, I haven't got to the, the end yet, but they also have, um, obviously, otherwise, you know, I would have been the first person to claim that temple, <laughs> but they also have, uh, which is a cool idea. They have some things chasing you. So they might have like, it's almost like, I guess, like a, a demon or, um, um, something, but it, it starts off like the second dungeon, it'll be going at like three meters a second. So you have to try and get away from it. And then the next dungeon down, it will be going at three and a half meters per second. And as you go down, it goes faster and faster. Um, and you've got, so you've got to run, you've got to make sure you do the run quicker and quicker, which adds a little bit of, I suppose, stress, per- peril and stress, which is cool. So it's, it's cool, but I haven't played enough really to get okay. a proper. I'm sorry to, uh, to sidetrack you with another game that you'd bought and forgotten about. I hadn't forgotten about it. I just hadn't, and that was two weeks ago, actually, I think, as well. So I didn't mention it last yeah. week, and then I haven't played it this week. But yeah, last but week, cool. you were too busy talking about Chivalry 2, that game you bought and played. Oh, I played more Chivalry 2, but I wasn't going to bring it up because <laughs> I thought you'd be like, shut up about Chivalry. Yeah. that I, I actually had one of my best uh, matches in Chivalry 2, which is where... Like in terms of like um, kills and deaths? Um, more, yeah, uh, no, not in terms of kills of death, because I played a couple of um, games as an archer and just lit the bloody battlefield up, like headshots, like setting people on fire, and my score was ludicrous compared to what I normally get. Um, no, this was more like I just, I just got, I just managed to get into the right state of mind where I was fighting people, and as I think Chris mentioned last week, 
<clears throat> you can have sections where you are defending against four people trying to attack you. I think I had a couple in the same match where um, five, four or five guys were trying to kill me and I managed to stop all of them, block all their shots and kill all of them. And it happened multiple times. Nice. And I just felt like a complete badass, especially when they're trying to attack you and you take off like two of their heads and then you've got one crawling away on the floor and you just like stab them. And you think, because oh, you know people were playing that watching like, shit, that guy <laughs> has just killed four of us by himself, which is wicked. And he screamed afterwards for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Avery, you got to do that. Oh, I would be mapping that button all the time if I was playing. You can, there's a, there's a, a vocalized wheel as well. So you can, you can say different stuff. So you can say like, get the archers. Or you can say, come on boys, let's get in there. And you know, little fun things they've added in, <laughs> which is interesting. Okay. But enough about vocalizing in chivalry too. Um, I think it's time to speak about the Nintendo switch, not pro. Um, because despite what people were saying about it has to come out before E3, we finally have had the reveal from what um, Nintendo are going to be dropping, and it is not the Switch Pro, which everyone was thinking. It is actually the uh, Nintendo Switch OLED. Um, Interestingly enough, this is one of the leaks that came out that uh, I suppose gave a lot of or like bolstered the idea that the Pro was coming out, which was that there was an OLED 7-inch screen being manufactured for Nintendo. And this is one of the best leaks we had. And it was from an insider who said, we are making OLED screens for Nintendo. And that was cause for a lot of people to say the Pro is coming. But it turns out that actually um, the OLED is the, the biggest thing that is being, you know, which is an addition, um, apart from the internal storage, to the Nintendo Switch. So um, the Switch OLED will be a 7-inch OLED display, which is great. You know, it's always good to have a, a better screen on a handheld. It's going to have 64 gigabytes of internal storage, which is... I'm not... What was the original? Honestly, um, no idea. Switch? I've got no idea at all. Um, I don't think the... I can't, don't know what the light was either, so that's terrible. Um, it also comes with a wide adjustable stand, which you can utilise in multiple ways. Is, is a lot better than that sort of a little janky stand that comes off the back of the original Switch, um, which is a bit flimsy. So I believe that this stand has a few multiple um, positions that you can put it into sort of for your play style, if you like. Not that I've ever used the stand. Yeah, me Switch. neither. I mean, I could, I just I could see it. myself maybe using a slightly better one. Where this one's nice and kind of like wide, and like you said, you can actually change the angle. But still, that I mean, I remember one of the use cases for that was someone on an airplane putting it on the you know the tray table. Um, but <laughs> which is this far away from yeah, exactly. It's just, so you're like, it doesn't really work that way. Bless just them. hold it. Yeah, exactly. Just hold it. Um, I suppose the the use case for the stand is if you are more sociable than Jamie and I, and you've got someone else sitting next to you, and you want to play together. And you yeah, put it on actually, stand. do you know what? Now you've said that, you've reminded me. I have played multiplayer that way. I played Mario okay. Kart against Chris, and he was not very good. I hate to. I look. Some people are going to criticize me for making a comment like that while he's not here to defend himself. But for <laughs> anyone wondering, Chris, not great at Mario Kart. Chris, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, at some point, the people had to know. There's a theme because he's also not great at um, Rocket League, so maybe it's small cars. Yeah, maybe it's driving games people. in general. He, and he avoids Rocket League like the plague now. It's so funny that <laughs> we've played Rocket League so many times. Every time he's like, ah, no, nah, not tonight, boys. Ah, oh, do you know what? I'll do a small PSA about Rocket League while, as we've just mentioned it. Um, purely because I'm this sad that I'll be going dipping back into Rocket League this month purely to buy a skin hmm. um, because the DeLorean... Oh. Uh, is coming back to Rocket League this month, and so is the Knight Rider car, I believe, is the one you can get currently. And there's a couple of other ones as well. So, um, Jonesy out anyway, here just recommending recommending people 
go and buy microtransactions. Nice. Absolutely. Um, but hey, let's talk about, let's get back to the OLED. Uh, so the screen remains a 1280 by 720p, but it is seven inches, which is uh, an improvement over the um, 6.2 inches of the original. I believe it's also, um, is, is there more of, I don't know if there's like less of a bevel on it or something as well, but it looks, I've seen a few Ooh, pictures of it and it does look, it does look a bit more screeny, which is, which is nice. I think um, it, it kind of does, but it also doesn't help that like there's a new color skew, which is white. And the bevels around right. the screen are still black, which I think makes ah, okay. them look more noticeable. Um, oh, weird. That's just maybe me. that's what I noticed them and then thought they looked smaller then. Maybe that's... I don't know. Um, for people that don't know, though, despite the fact it's the same resolution, um, the OLED does offer a lot of improvement over the display. So it's probably going to be much brighter, more vivid. The colours are going to look more impressive. So it will be a much better screen, a much, um, a much more pretty display. Uh, it's also got an improved battery life, Oh no, it hasn't. I'm gonna that's a lie. It's still four and a half to nine hours, which is you know, people have used the switch. It's so okay, so it has got an improved battery because the OLED's gonna draw more power, I'd imagine. Yeah. It's just um, the life that hasn't. The list the, the life what they're listing changed. for the actual like battery life hasn't changed. No. Um so one of the things that was the most interesting that you actually mentioned, which I found really interesting as well, is um the DLSS. Uh, was a load of rubbish. That was not something which is coming to um, the Switch. Well... Because that was one thing that people basically said, oh, it's also going to have 4K of DLSS, and we were surprised at the time. I guess we were a little bit surprised. I was maybe more surprised with the 4K idea than the DLSS idea, but then I kind of took it to be 4K in the same way that the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X were 4K, which is that, like, hey... right. There are certain games that are probably 500 megabytes that are going to run at 4K if you do this, that, or the other. But I didn't take that to mean that, like, hey, Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be a 4K game, even docked. Um, but I yeah. don't know. I, you can call me a cuck or a simp or whatever, but, like, <laughs> uh, obviously you can you can technically use the word bullshit in the sense of, like, people reported on this as an, and it hasn't happened. But I think there's more to this than meets the eye. I really, I honestly do. In what sense? In the sense that, like, so we've known about something like this for a long time. I actually looked it up and saw that the first time we as a podcast reported on a potential new Switch model, a more advanced one as opposed to the light, was uh, August of last year. So almost an entire year ago um, that we've known about something like this happening. And when you go back and look at the reporting, there's one particular guy, and he's not actually an insider. He he writes for Bloomberg. He's part of their Asia team called Takashi Mochizuki. Uh, and he was the guy who kind of came out and said, hey, look, Samsung are manufacturing the seven-inch OLED screens uh, for this Nintendo Switch Pro. Um, and he was also the guy that reported on the idea of a potential uh, DLSS usage and, and, a, and a 4K output when docked and so on and so forth. He also got the price right if we're, you know, if we're playing a point scoring game. Um, I, you, he's like a psychic that's like, his name starts with an S. <laughs> but like, like, he's got a few things. Yeah. I, um, I don't know, when we were talking about this midweek, like you implied that he could have just made, I, I, I don't think people like this make this stuff up. I don't think that uh, an, uh, like the. What? I didn't. I didn't imply. I, I said maybe. I said maybe they just. Oh, made no, it. you didn't. You didn't. You definitely didn't say maybe. I, can I quote? Can I quote? Am I allowed to quote you? Yeah, yeah. Quote me. Quote um, me. I don't think I. I didn't say they made it up because I don't know. I. I, me, I, I would have meant. How, I said, how did the DLSS rumors get it so wrong? And your reply was verbatim: 
people just making shit up? Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, meant, I meant possibly. I, I, that was a question. That wasn't like an out and out. But that's what they did. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I was like, a, one of the options is people just making shit up. Uh, to be, it is one of the options. I, I guess what I'm trying to say then is that I, I don't think that... <sighs> I don't think that the DLSS rumors were like were completely fabricated. This example, whether it's Nintendo changed their minds at the last minute, um, whether it's that you know that wires got crossed in terms of like, hey, there is still a Switch Pro coming out at some point. It's just not coming out this year and never was meant to, or, or any, or or maybe it's just you know something that was meant to happen and Nintendo were like, actually, you know, fuck this, fucking video, fuck DLSS. We like our games running at fifteen frames a second wherever possible. <laughs> um, I don't know, but. I just think it's to my mind though DLSS would it would have been a good educated guess because if you have a pro coming out it would make a lot of sense for it to ha- run in 4K just, in some capacity and you and DLSS makes that viable at a half decent frame rate on a more like a low powered system I just I, I don't understand the logic if you're like this Bloomberg journalist at, as part of the Asian team and you've got all this information that you've procured from insiders you found all the stuff it's all 100% accurate and it's true months later and then you decide to take an educated guess in that same article? <laughs> like, who does that? And also, I'll say, and again, like, take, it's everyone's in, like, allowed to have their own opinion on this, uh, on this stuff. No, so the original reporter of that, that uh, the Taka, Takashi guy that I was talking about just then, he hasn't really discussed like what's going on in terms of how his wires got crossed since then properly. He's done some tweets, but I don't speak Japanese. Uh, but one thing he has done is he retweeted... The a tweet made by, I think it's like um, like an analyst, uh, basically an industry analyst, who implied that this could be quote unquote more like an interim model, uh, implying that there may still be a pro that comes out next year, and that this could be uh, this could have happened the way it happened due to uh, sh- uh, component shortages and the fact that Breath of the Wild two is not ready yet. That was actually going to be one of my questions to you because um, when I heard the news that they were doing this, it did make me wonder whether or not because one of if if people didn't hear us have the conversation before, one of the questions that we had and one of the interesting things that came up was: Are some games going to run on just the Nintendo Switch Pro and not run on the original Switch, which makes total sense? Mm. And when we were talking about how those how that would work, you know, how they would um, release those games, uh, who would be able to play certain things? Would you then have to buy a Pro? to play new games like Breath of the Wild 2. Um, and obviously this put all that to bed and suggests that's not going to happen. Right. But then one of the things I thought was, what if that is something which is planned to happen in the next, you know, 18 months, two years or so? Maybe, maybe. Uh, the, the thing is, I still wouldn't fundamentally be opposed to it. Obviously no one likes people, you know, getting... I, you feel like if someone signs up to a generation of consoles through, uh, you know, whichever platform that is, they are entitled to be able to at least try and play every game that releases on that family of consoles to the you know the end of time. Obviously, Nintendo play play it pretty fast and loose when it comes to that stuff. And sometimes, if you stick with the old platform, you're going to get stuck with cripplingly black bad frame rates. Um, yeah, and I, I hope that's not the case. But at the same time, I look at what they've got coming out. I look at you know, do you remember that trailer for? I always get the name wrong, but something like Pokemon Legends Arceus or something like that, the open oh, world. Yeah. I'm just like, you're honestly telling me like your answer to that, which looks like it probably runs like guff, is a better screen? Like something's gone wrong here. 
You can't say, oh yeah, shit, can... Breath of the Wild 2's come out. Let's give people brighter colours. Like, that doesn't yeah, mean... Because there's, there's, there's no performance enhancement in, no, the, in, this, um, in this OLED at all. Um, I, th- I think I forgot to say, actually, the only other improvement they've, they've said is that there will be improved internal speakers, which, again... Who's sitting around using the speakers built into the switch anyway, as yeah. opposed to just popping in some headphones? But, but, but the, the issue with this is that you mentioned there, like the idea of a a pro coming out, and certain games maybe needing the pro or taking advantage of the pro in ways that maybe made older models look um, out of date or out of touch. This exacerbates that problem, right? Like, because if you had a pro out next year, you'd have had people who just bought this OLED model. And you're like, they're like, hang on a second. I thought I was buying the advanced switch. I thought I was buying the improved switch. And now there's one that's improved even on mine. Like, who is this for? I don't get it. I think, that, um, if anything, if there was a pro coming out, I think the idea of the OLED means that that will be pushed back because you're gonna then you're gonna need to give people the time to buy it, use it, and not feel like they've done they've been. Um, sort of stitched up by the fact yeah. that they would have bought the Pro had the Pro come out. So maybe it means that um, it's going to be two years until, or, uh, you know, slightly longer maybe. until a Pro comes or, out, if that is the idea at all. And it is the idea, perhaps, that when a Pro comes out, this is the model that almost replaces the original, and like actually they recommend everyone buy the OLED instead of just buying a regular Switch. It's kind of, yeah, maybe it's almost like the PS4 Pro or, or not even that, like the PS4 Slim right, or whatever yeah, they have, exactly. PS3 Slim. Um, so it just becomes the default. So you've got the light and the switch, and this isn't really the OLED. This is just the switch. Um, so any new person who's going to buy a switch, like the idea is maybe make this so that you don't go and trade in your switch for this. But if you're looking to buy a new console and you don't already own a switch, then you go and buy yeah. one of these. Um, I, in which case it... Might be a you know okay, but you know we try not to read into these things too much. But I can tell you that on the official packaging for this product, uh, in the top left corner of the box, there is the Nintendo Switch logo on its own, uh, with no extra wording around it, and it's in the bottom and right. the middle of the box. So like the other end of the box, that just says OLED model. So right, <laughs> maybe so the, that, the dot, yeah, I mean yeah, I don't know. you look at the actual. The actual product itself, like on the dock and on the controller, and the pro controller, it just says Nintendo Switch. It doesn't say OLED or anything. No, exactly. So the, 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 they're clearly, you know, I mean, and, and the word model would kind of imply this, but they, you know, they're clearly, you know, placing it as a spin on the original console as opposed to an entirely new skin. Yeah. Which, you know, again, the other thing, as always with Nintendo, is you can't be too surprised that they iterate on their consoles, right? They're always releasing new models. They're always re- reworking things. And anyone that was invested in the the DS or the 3DS family of consoles knows that this shit just happens all the time. Um, right. But this is just one of the more... I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of the more unusual ones for Nintendo just to, to release an entirely new skew of this console ahead of a year where so many big first party titles are going to launch that are that seem like they might require or at least benefit from that extra horsepower and yet they're piggybacking on you know OLED technology being a bit hot right now even though it kind of was probably more hot a handful of years ago than it is right now for a variety yeah. of reasons it just it seems strange to me but that might just be me also price differential it's. Um, I'm looking at a UK retailer right now that currently their pre-order started today. It's. Um, uh, let me get this right. Thirty pounds more. Yeah, it's thirty pounds uh, more. Not much. Right. No, not much. No. 
which suggests it is it is a well yeah i suppose that maybe goes more to the idea that it is a um what what do you say like a temporary um a temporary model to hold you over until the pro comes out if or a switch 2 maybe so we keep but, saying pro but maybe know. they're going wholeheartedly for a switch 2 which know. is why they're not i, I think I, I think at this point i just i i would be very wary about recommending anyone buy this if they already own a switch if yeah, you, I, I would. I would suggest. Yeah. I would suggest not. If you don't, if you don't on. own a Switch at all, and you're not worried about the prospect of a a Pro model being released in the next eighteen to twenty four months, then go for this. But I, I don't think anyone should upgrade to this alone, unless you're addicted to the Switch. You play it, you know, fucking, you know, it's the, your main console, yeah, and you play it almost entirely in handheld mode, and you really think you notice the improved colors or contrast or whatever. Unless you're in that place, I don't know. That's a really good point that I hadn't even thought about was if you play this main... So, like, in our house, we play the Switch a lot, but we play it in docked mode. Yeah. And the only difference you're going to notice in docked mode uh, to the... the edit, What's the word? The original, thank you. There you go. Mm. My brain will kicked in. The original Switch um, is the addition of a LAN port in the dock. So the you will notice no different functionally yep. to this. And also the, the dock, it's backwards compatible with the original Switch. So you don't need the OLED Switch itself to get a LAN right. port dock. Okay. So you can just buy this. But like, you, you, you know, talking about the dock versus handheld thing, I saw a tweet when this got announced from a guy who was like, I don't know about you guys, but I've been playing my Nintendo Switch on the OLED screen for years. Because he, he has it docked his the whole time. TV. Yeah, he's, he's, an OLED, he's talking about his yeah, TV. Yeah. So very strange move in terms of like, for for people who are a majority, dot majority of the time, this is identical to the experience you yeah. already have. Uh, it's a planned um, release date for this is October the 8th, which apparently is the same day as Metroid Dread. So maybe There you go. I wonder if there'll be a special edition together. Metroid Dread version with Samus on the back, and I will buy it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and all of this will get will go out the window. Yeah. Um, but we need to move on because we need to talk about PlayStation. Actually, scrap that they... October's tax time. So maybe uh. not. Because uh, PlayStation, of course, weren't at E3 this year, so we waited a little bit longer, and then we got a state of play. Um, I think they waited slightly long enough um, for the state of play because this would have been a pretty weak source E3 um, <laughs> show. Can, for PlayStation. Can I can I jump the gun immediately and say that I yeah. don't think this is like this is not their summer E three ish. No, 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 of course, of course. Like there's, I'm there's saying, so like, many if, big if you games thought that this was. weren't here, yeah, exactly. No, if you thought this was like they waited just long enough so that you knew this wasn't that. This is just another PlayStation <laughs> state of play. Like it is that's exactly what it is. Um, De- we'll this is, this was Deathloop and Friends. Basically, yes. Well, I think I said to you yesterday, should we, should we even bother watching it because it's only Deathloop? And you said, no, it isn't. It's, it's more than Deathloop. And I watched it and I was like... Hey, you know what? Deathloop. Like, technically speaking, more than... You, know, you were right. You were right. Um, and then, to be fair, there were uh, there were a couple of games in there that do look quite interesting. Um, so we started off with Mossbook 2, which is uh, a PSVR title, which is in development. Um, I remember Mossbook 1 when they showed some stuff for that, which is uh, basically Stuart Little with a sword, yeah. his little mouse. People he liked that around. game on the PSVR. People liked it. They did, and I, I think um, it does lend itself well to that because it it's colourful, it's bright, and it's got a lot of interesting environments. So I've, I've not played the original on um, PSVR, so... Um, I would like. I do you know what. I'm always keen to play PSVR games. Interesting. I, I well thought it was that. also a very interesting choice to have a state of play at this stage in the year, uh, with the sort of PSVR two beckoning on the horizon to announce yes. a brand new PlayStation VR game. Um, they have. 
from what I've seen, at least, stopped actively promoting that uh, piece of kit for a while now. And I don't know, I'd, I'd have thought we'd have been ready to see PSVR 2 at some point by the end of this year. So maybe this is one of those games that comes out on both, or maybe it's a... I would say it's a subtle PSVR 2 game, but it doesn't didn't look good enough graphically for that. So I don't know. VR ones are always strange to me though, because I think it's really hard to show them off in in two D without you know knowing how they're going to look and play in a PSVR uh, or in VR in general. It's, it's always they always look c- kind of crappy because you True. don't have to. True. They're no, they're never going to look as good because you don't want to be. I think we played. I think it was on PSVR. We played um, Resident Evil Seven on the PSVR. Yeah, we did. And that game had a lot of uh, sort of different textures and um, like hair and things that was going on. And it did not look great in on the VR. It looked a bit janky. So it's often quite good to go for more flat, uh, less texturized things for VR. It does look slightly better. Mm. Um, so maybe that's why it didn't look quite as good. Uh, but next up was Arcade Geddon, um, which is coming to the PS5. And it is from a first time publisher, uh, Ilphonic, which did look pretty cool. It was a bit of a weird one. Um, it was sort of a bit of a, I don't know. I got I got vibes that it looks like a bit of a mishmash between a whole load of games. Um, but it's a shooter. Um, looks quite fun. Colourful, single yeah. player or four player co op. I think the. Go on. I was going to say, I don't know which games you were sort of referring to when it comes to like what it gave you vibes from. But for some reason, one game that came to my head for the first time in ages was do you remember when Plants vs. Zombies became a third person shooter. <laughs> oh, so they right. actually made yeah, multiple of mean. them and one of them wasn't that long ago but for some reason it reminded me of that even though there's absolutely no Plants vs Zombies sort of visual influence at all in this it's just kind of like I had, but I had the same thing because it made me think of Splatoon and Fall Splatoon, Guys Splatoon yeah in the sense of uh, it seems like so from what I could get from from what we saw um, you are in an, you're trying to. I think you're trying to protect an arcade, and it looks like the way they're going to do it is you're going to go inside different arcades to kind of fight off the enemy, and you utilize those different environments. So um, if you're in a shooter, it's going to seem almost like what's the what's the um, uh, Wreck It Ralph? The way Wreck It Ralph goes to different games, and they sort of it's different environments. So they've called these different biomes. So going into different biomes means that the game plays a bit different. Um, and you get to, and they even showed some footage where you were like fighting another player and knocking them off a platform, which gave me the full guys vibe. Um, and oh, yeah. it's all bright and colorful. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. Maybe one to look out for. It's actually an early access now, which is interesting. Um, I didn't know PlayStation did that with early access games and you could sort of get a hold of them. Um, <laughs> so, so there you go. they make exceptions um, sometimes, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Next up was one that we've already mentioned today, which is uh, Tribes of Midgard, which does look very interesting. Uh, it's a survival action RPG, which is um, set around Ragnarok, Norse mythology from Norsefell Games. Um, we've seen quite a few times now, but they've confirmed that it's uh, going to be a 10-player um, experience, which... I Who has that I many friends? One, yeah, who has that many friends? I guess you've got to find some people online. But they're going to release it um, in sagas. So the first one up they've got is the Wolf Saga, um, which comes out in this month, so July. Uh, didn't give an exact date. Um, but it does look very interesting, Jamie, because you do get to do a bit of base building. You get to fight giants. Uh, you are a Viking warrior, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You and Chris have both been impressed by the, or at least uh, been uh, interested in the bits of gameplay they've shown of this at, over the last couple of months. I'm still kind of on the fence for some reason, but yeah. I don't know. I just think 
as Arcade Geddon, I'm not going to be able to say that name, am I? Kind of illustrated. The next six months are going to be very interesting when it comes to the amount of co-op games that are vying for our attention. Everyone has right. got some kind of co-op right now, it feels like. That's one thing I, I didn't say about Arcade Geddon, but I could have said that, like, hey, a four-player co-op shooter, kind of a, a curious time to try and release a game like that, but that's maybe that's just... Yeah, me. it's... Uh... It's, it's, yeah, it seems like everyone has to release one of those at the moment, doesn't it? As we were saying the other day, with yeah. um, was it was it Microsoft? They had about four of them yeah, dropping exactly. one show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something to look out for for sure uh, coming later this month. We then had uh, Fist Forged in Shadow Torch, which is one of the worst names for a game I think I've ever heard. Um, given that, that, so if you didn't see it, it's a giant hare or a rabbit with a big mechanical fist strapped to his back. So they've obviously gone. Let's call it fist, and then we're like, know, but now we now we need to give it a stupid um, what do you call it? What do you what do you call it when it's like the first acronym? letter is, is each thing? An acronym, thank you. Uh, so yeah, fist forged in shadow. I don't Let's mind it, bro. I don't, I don't mind the name fist, and I also think that rabbit with a giant mechanical fist looks cool. <laughs> it did. Did you know the game looked cool? The game yes. did look like a lot of fun. Um, it's sort of a bit of a uh, side scrolling uh, platform action with a lot of fighting. Um, a Metroidvania is what I um, what I've seen it called, but yeah, look look very cool. Coming out September seventh, uh, PS4 and PS5, so maybe one to keep keep your eyes open for. The next one that we saw was Hunters Arena Legends, which I thought looked pretty wicked. So this is a battle okay. royale, um, but it's a melee combat battle royale where you're fighting demons throughout the world, um, but also you're fighting other players, other hunters. So it's hunters versus demons. Um, yeah, but this looks interesting. What did you? What were your thoughts? <sighs> yeah, interesting's a fair word for it. I, 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 on paper, I don't mind the genre mashup. I don't mind people coming at the battle royale genre from a slightly different angle. Even after all these years of battle royale games, I don't actually think we have ever actually reached peak BR. So um, I'm cool with it in theory. I just thought the presentation was a bit weird. I thought the voiceover was a bit weird. Um, I thought there was some potential for jank in there. Um, I guess I'm curious to see kind of you know, how sturdy it is when it all comes out and, and how much of that stuff they actually deliver on. Um, which is very easy to say on a, a sort of a first impressions trailer, I know, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's one of those where I think um, they they obviously present it how they want it to be played as well. They, they right. show you this is how stuff will work and then when you actually get into the game, it like, can be very different. Is this just going to be like a game where, is this a battle royale for honour? Where you like you run around till you find a human enemy, but because it's meant to have that sort of fighting game strategic element, it just slows the game right down. All of a sudden, you're kind of like walking in circles around each other for forty five <laughs> seconds, while someone who whoever's better at parrying <laughs> kills the other. Yes, but there's a weird thing in here as well because this is a battle royale where you're fighting uh, uh, AI as well because you're fighting the demons. So I wonder if there's an element whereby just you, like for honor, humans, we you, you like team up. <laughs> Well, no, but there's a different. I think in For Honor, it's more of a, a team-based, right? So you've, yes. you've got the bots and you've got the other team, and it's very obvious who you're fighting. But if this is a battle royale, and I believe it's, um, I think they break it down to it's, you can have teams of three or you can have single player. Um, if it's all, if it's everyone against everyone, and you're playing as a single player, team up as a team of like twenty people, go and kill some demons, do some of those dungeons, get some of those, um, you know, uh, loot and stuff from the game, and then have a little ruck with just the humans afterwards once you've got yeah. all that stuff. I, I also like Why that not? they uh, reminded us all that it was a battle royale by showing us this kind of 
weird sort of fantasy inspired you know world and then they were like oh but there's customization and then all of a sudden like the guy's using a rubber duck to hit people with it so okay. yeah the, I, I don't like that sort of um inserted kind of oh isn't this funny and you're like yeah mm-hmm. also isn't this a am i am i getting it mixed up or is this gonna be a playstation plus game uh, I believe it may be. I, I think they, I think they yeah, might have said they basically they early confirmed that this is one of August's PlayStation Plus games, or maybe separately it's just going to be free for that month. I don't know. But if it's free, like I think that's a very smart way to populate multiplayer games like these in the early stages, because uh, obviously this is a game that God, if you slapped even the thirty dollar price tag on this, it becomes a very hard sell. I think, um, especially so. in a world where most of these sort of Battle Royale games are free to play now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, next month it will join PlayStation Plus. So there you go. Hunter's Arena Legends, look out for it. There you uh, go. If you like that kind of thing. Um, then we had, I don't know how to pronounce this, Sifu. Or yes. Sh- I kept saying Shif- Shifu to myself because uh, it reminds me of Kung Sifu, Fu Panda. Sifu Shifu on the seashore. Yeah. But, uh, with this we saw already, uh, this is the uh, heavy hand-to-hand combat um Blimey, I don't even know what this would what you'd call this. I want to say it was it looks something like a dead cells or something because you're going to play no. again. Would you? What, no, but you know in the sense of like you replay and you replay and you're, but it's not. But you you do do that sort of looping where you start again and you have another run through every time you die. It's like a. Um, actually, like a, it, it's very hard to. So it's got roguelike elements, but okay, yeah, let's but go they but they don't work in the traditional way. Um, it seems like what it is. It's so like Jensi said, it's sort of a third person. You know, hand-to-hand combat game. It, it looks like it's taking inspiration from almost things like Old Boy. If you remember, kind of that yes. corridor sequence, like this Asian-infused, very heavy impact-led uh, sort of um, you know, melee combat game. But it's got this concept where when you die, you become older. Basically, time goes and you forward. You get stronger as well, right? You get stronger. So yeah, you maintain you, you maintain your strength as you get older. You, but they've confirmed now. Obviously, you cannot age indefinitely, so there will be a cap. So at some point, you have to decide, like when you're dying, are you going to kind of like stop and go on a new run, or are you going to keep getting older to try and keep pushing forward? Um, you end up like that dude out of uh, oh, uh, who's the the, the white haired dude? Oh, Kill Bill Volume Two. Like, Twists his mustache. That's it. Kill Bill. Is it like Pi May or something like that? Something. You end up like a thousand years old, yeah. <laughs> just trying to do another run. Um, but I mean, it still Bro, looks cool. I uh, think this game looks ridiculous in the right, all the right ways. I think it looks so cool. It has a int- the, the, sort of. The, I don't know. Maybe weird is the right word. The one thing that kind of worries me is if you get into it and in first impressions are the combat doesn't feel great, and it is all built around the combat then it may feel like a bit of a slog to try and get back into it and sort of go through again and again and again but i mean if you yeah hey. if you don't like the combat then you don't like the combat it's fine but like that's like me that's like, wicked, that's like me watching cool. a trailer for forza horizon 5 and be like yeah but if you don't like the driving so yeah i know that's sure but I, I feel like driving games are more of a known quantity whereas this is there aren't many games which deal with out and out hand-to-hand combat very well there are some there are some that deal with it well, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Because it's a tricky thing to do, right? It's a very tricky thing to pull off. And like, let's not forget like Batman, when they had that fighting system, it was one of the first times that everyone lost their minds because yeah. it actually felt wicked. And then everyone tried to copy it because they were like, this is the way to do hand-to-hand combat. I hope that so much of this game 
is about that. And I can't remember the name of their previous game, but it had a kind of a similar thing where uh, you know it was very melee folk combat driven and it had all these different styles that it kind of brought together and you were learning new moves. It wasn't my kind of game at all and it was too difficult, but um, they've got some kind of like background in this style of combat. So I hope they have Absolver. Absolver, Absolver that was, was it. Uh, from Slow Clap was their uh, earlier one. Yeah. So that 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 from what I gather from people who played that game liked it and got good at it, um, it worked. But I wasn't one of those people, so we'll see. I hope they yeah, make this one a little bit more um, beginner friendly. Yeah, apparently, I think Absolver had quite a high skill ceiling, didn't it? As well, so you yeah. could get very good well, at that game, which is a good thing for this sort of title. You don't want to have a game which is too easy and the barrier to entry is too low you yeah. want people to have but to get good at it absolver was also this weird thing where like it was kind of like a, a, a souls like kind of design but it also it seamlessly roped in other players and i want to say like it wasn't too long before you were fighting other human players and it got really difficult um right yeah it was a strange game and i'm glad in many respects that they're taking their kind of their cool art style and their combat approach and applying it to something that's a little bit more, I think, simplified and approachable, um, but still stylized. I'm really looking forward to Sifu, as this is one of my most, most anticipated, let's say most anticipated indie games of the next year or so. That's Although, cool. yeah, it's, it's- fuck them for doing a trailer just to announce their, that it's been delayed. For anyone that missed it, this trailer <laughs> runs. At the end, they bring up 2021, and it goes... <laughs> And rolls over to 2022. Fuck you. Yeah, they, they they copy the format where they have the age, because in the age it does, like, you go 22 and then you're 23, yeah. and then it keeps going up and they do the same thing with the year, which which is yeah. not a great way to, hey, guys, you know, this looks really cool. You like the format. Yeah, no, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, next up was Jet, which is a uh, planet exploration game. Um where you can sort of, you fly around in a spaceship and you are one of, I think they called them astro, no, was it astro pilots? I think they called them. Where you can, um, you are, oh, what is her name? I didn't write down. I forgot the name of the character you play. But you go to a new planet and you are there to sort of catalogue and and explore the planet uh, and build a new base and a home to live on. Um, yeah. A very cool art style. I think it's a game which started out a lot smaller from the, the voiceover, what they were saying, and has expanded over time and has grown and has taken a lot more people and has um, become a bigger thing but it looks very interesting uh you so from what i can understand you sort of fly around as a spaceship and you can set down wherever you want and you can have an explore about it i mean it's easy to say oh it sounds a bit no man's sky i don't think it is going to be like that at all it the the way you fly around in the ship and the look of it and things do look quite different to that um but it does have a bit of a a mystery vibe as well, I think, mm-hmm. from what I'm sort of, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on, um, what's going on with the planet. But it's not a combat-focused game. It's a um, exploration-focused, which looks pretty cool, looks interesting. Um, it's one of those where you sort of see it and you say, okay, this could actually turn into quite an interesting little sci-fi title. Um, yeah. We then, anything, anything to say about that? No, Jet? I echo your thoughts pretty much. I'm, I'm curious. And uh, Super Mario Brothers a- have made cool things before, so. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's definitely one that you're like, okay, it could be, it could be, it is what it is, or it could be something which turns into a really cool uh, little sci-fi experience. It was then a Sega double bill. So we had Demon Slayer, which do you know what? <laughs> I skipped through most of because it was Demon, um, Demon Slayer, yeah, right? Just the most like anime presentation of voiceover stuff. <laughs> but you know what the silly thing about Demon Slayer is, and I like. But this isn't me saying you have to go and watch it again afterwards. But like the combat actually looked kind of rad. 
Um, I saw some of the combat and it looked all right. And, uh, but again, yeah, I was I was like, okay. Yeah, I get this it. Like I this. get it. Like, look, it was a bit, it, it felt like, you know when anime gets just almost obnoxious in like the, 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 the how the voices sound and the shit they're saying? Yeah. 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 I had a bit of a weird one with their next game as well, which was uh, Sega's next one, which was Lost Judgment, because mm. that looked wicked yes it did that thing to me when like that sort of game that i'm like oh it almost looks like a jrpg with um some really cool fighting and some weirdness thrown in like you know it sounds like you've just described every game that studio makes yes oh yes to be fair um but i always want to play them and i know that i shouldn't because i'll just fall off you know that every single yakuza game is on game pass now no i know i know i was so tempted to like uh, dip into them but i'm like maybe i shouldn't they they are absolute beasts in terms of how long they are and how much there there is there is to do, maybe, and maybe judgment is a little bit more approachable in that sense because there's well at the moment there's still only one soon to be two right so you can kind of like maybe blitz, I know they're re-releasing that first one for PS5 as well so maybe you can blitz right. through the first one uh, depending on how much it costs and then see if lost judgment is going to be for you but then I don't know. I, I did wonder when I was watching yesterday because was Judgment the one that got renamed um, and was actually called something completely different? It was because cool, well, it was like it was like Judge Eyes or something like that. That was it. That was it because we talked about it the the first game a few times back in back on yeah. ATG days. Still, st- uh, Steph, Steph and I went to play it and we met the the voice actor for the um, the English dub version. Right, but um, you, I think, yeah, because I think. I'm trying to think who played it. Didn't somebody, did you play it in the end? I'm sure someone played it and talked about it and said they actually really liked it. So it was Didn't really cool. play it when it came out, just played it. As I said, Steph and I went to a preview event. It's just that event. That, um, that they hosted. Um, and uh, yeah, it, but it was, it was during the early stages. It was a lot of uh, the tutorial and uh, but they were kind of like pretty handholdy with some of the detective elements of that game. Cause I guess that was what was new compared to Yakuza. So um, right. But the combat still felt like one of those games, so, you know, yeah. The one thing that strikes me as well is when you go from, like, the cutscene stuff to the gameplay, the the difference in visuals is so stark, um, which does seem to be something which is disappearing in games these days. They like to a lot of in-engine cutscenes, and they like to um, make it, I suppose, the continuity. But this was almost like the cutscene stuff was, or maybe it was just cinematics for the trailer, but looked too good. And then you cut to the gameplay and it looks bizarre because you've gone gone from one visual style to another, which is right. kind of weird. But but yeah, I always want to play these games. I do all the Yakuza games. Yeah, this game. I'm always like, they look so much fun. Do you know what, Jensi, if ever there were a, a game that were a reason that games like Lost Judgment are games you shouldn't play, I realize I use the word game a lot in that sentence, it's the God. next game they showed. Uh, Death Stranding. <laughs> because it's another very long Japanese game that you didn't finish. But game that I will finish because I think I love Death Stranding. I do think it's a fantastic game. Um, it was my game of the year the year it came out. But this, of course, was Death Stranding Director's Cut, which we got that horrible teaser for um, the other day, which from Kojima Productions, which, which was um, I will just say that that trailer still very confusing, even in the face of another trailer. Given yeah. that this new trailer didn't really touch on what that old trailer was. Yeah, whatever. No. We got um so with what we've actually got from the uh, director's cut version is effectively uh, just some additional content added into the uh, the original um, Death Stranding version. Ah, I was going to list a few things that were going to be there, but my page has sort of crashed. Um, I I can jump in if you if you would would like. 
Yes, go on, because I've lost I've lost the page of a list of stuff that was uh, the new additions. <laughs> um, so I think the advertised features in that trailer release were, they said new battles, which hard to know kind of the context for that, but they showed uh, Norman Reedus' character fighting some new sort of almost enemy types, some boss-looking characters. There's new combat mechanics, uh, including uh, some new melee moves, including a, a jumping flying drop kick that looks like a lot of fun. And a new weapon that kind of electrocutes people, right? Kind of look like a zap gun. Yes. Um, there's a firing range now that you can try out. I love the, the idea of that. Room. Yeah. My aim in Death Stranding is jank, and so I would lo- I would love to get in there and have a little play around it, it, with the firing. It, it, range. it gets better. So there are some new uh, sort of cargo related things. There's a cargo the catap- cargo cannon. A cargo catapult, yeah, say? which catapult, lets you yeah. fucking fire your cargo across the map, which is just genius. There's um. For anyone who played uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, it almost they've brought back the legs, the legs. from that, um, which <laughs> yeah. you can either have walk behind you carrying stuff, or you can sit in it while you're, while you're carrying your things, uh, which is also great. Uh, there are also uh, like ramps now, so you can rather than creating bridges over gaps, you can create actual jumps that you you go into slow motion for. Um, and also, there is a weird like racing mode. Like a fragile, like yeah. fragile racing. Like you're literally creating racing tracks in the middle of the thing and driving new cars around them. That looks odd. And apparently, the thing they haven't really said much about, but they have confirmed, there is some kind of new story content and story missions. So maybe they're just yes. going to be, you know, little uh, sort of delivery missions that pop up along the way and take you to new areas. I don't know, but we will find out. In September, I guess. Because was, there were some of the elements that I think stood out really nicely from Death Stranding originally, which was that whilst you're sort of, you've got your mission to, to progress along, you did come across some interesting little uh, side stories and side quests almost that you could do where you, you would go to an area and you'd have to retrieve cargo that had been, you know, for whatever reason was um, left somewhere. Or that some of them were a bit jank, like where you had to just go and this girl was trying to get with this guy and then they were broken up and then you had to go and like reunite. I remember that one. Yeah. Did feel a bit crappy, but some of the stuff where you had to go into sort of quite a dangerous area and um, retrieve things. And you kind of got a little bit of an an insight into what had happened. And um, uh, I, I really liked, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's more of that stuff as opposed to the weird Conan, (laughs) Conan, what did you say his name? Conan Conan O'Brien, Conan, Conan O'Brien kind of, NPCs and strange storylines, yeah. but we'll see. Um, one of the other things they mentioned as well is that the P. This will also include um, the or all bundled together, I should say, the director's cut version and the PS5 version. Um, right. Or is the PS5 version? No, is there a PS? I don't even know. Is there a PlayStation Four director's cut? Good question. I don't I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just reading now. Uh, no, so is it? It's a PS5 director's cut. I think. Right. And I, they also have mentioned uh, PlayStation 5 features, including um, uh, DualSense support with uh, haptic feedback and bespoke adaptive trigger resistance. They're going to have uh, 3D audio if you have compatible headphones. Get to the action with the PS5 uh, near instantly with the ultra-fast SSD uh, having a good impact on load times. And two picture modes to choose from. Performance mode with upscaled 4K and up to 60 frames a second, or fidelity mode in native 4K, uh, presumably running at 30, both with ultra-wide and HDR support. If you have not played Death Stranding and you're listening to this, 
it is one of the most visually striking games I ever played. I, I loved it. One, one of the things that really stood out to me, and the thought of playing it on a PlayStation 5, especially in fidelity mode, is there are some sections where you're walking through the hills and the camera pans out, the music changes, and it becomes almost serene, and it is gorgeous. And it looks, fo- I know, <laughs> should never say this, it looks like photorealistic. It looks like you're walking through the hills of Scotland and the music <laughs> is lovely and it's, it's oh, very dude. kind of, ah, and it's great. So I'm really looking forward to upgrading. Um, and if you ha- do have the PS4 version and you want to upgrade to the PlayStation 5 Director's Cut, uh, you'll be able to do so for 10 quid, which, do you know what? I don't think is that bad. And I think that may <sighs> take me into the final 25 hours of, of uh, Death Stranding because yeah. I'm 25 hours in. I've got 25 hours to go and I feel like this will be the perfect little thing that kicks me into uh, uh, that yeah. second half. I've got a decision to make and I think, I think I'm think i going to have to wait a little bit longer, much like Ghost of Tsushima actually, to a round release and just see kind of what the general feedback is on how much of a must play it is on the PlayStation 5 in terms of you know visuals and DualSense support, how much of a difference... Um, some of the gameplay enhancements make, and how big, and this goes for Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding, how big the story, the new story content is. Um, right. It's, it's, it's easier for someone like me because I've got still a decent chunk of the story to play. Like with all those enhancements, it's like more of a um, foregone conclusion. But yeah, I think for someone like you who's already finished it, it's probably, I wonder if there's going to be enough there to justify sort of dipping your toe back into that world. Yeah. But, but mate, Cargo cannons. So what kind of yeah. else do I need to say? Do you know what would be interesting is if they release something like this on PC, because I own the PC version of Death Stranding as well. Right, right. Because um, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> then maybe I'd do that because I'm like playing on a slightly different platform and I can probably squeeze more out of, it, out of it than I can on the PS5. I don't know for sure, but probably. Uh, but we'll see. And we'll see. That- Still director's cool. cut will be coming on the 24th of september there you go. um so a couple of months to wait uh but the show ended up finished off with the thing we've already mentioned at the top which was death loop um i meanly said this was the death loop state of play and of course it wasn't there was much more going on <laughs> uh we got a decent chunk of gameplay footage from death loop but weird thing about death loop is we've already seen a lot of that game and this was more of that which is great which is fine it feels like they're really pushing this super hard. Um, but it sort of went over some old ground, I think, which we already kind of knew, which is you're playing as Colt, someone who gets to replay the same day like again and again and again. And everything, every time you die, everything resets. You wake up on the same beach and you have to um, go through trying to take out eight uh, visionaries um, in order to and stop the loop because you're trying to get out of this looping situation. It's like Groundhog Day with death. So, uh, you know. <laughs> So if you've seen Groundhog Day, you've probably got a pretty good idea of what's going to go on here. Um, There is one character who is not part of that loop process, which is Juliana, who is a... I suppose she hunts you as you're playing the game. But she also, weirdly, communicates with you the whole time. And there's a bit of an idea maybe that she is more to you than just someone who's hunting you. Um, She is someone who you you used to know. A bit more banter than I thought there'd be. There was a lot more than I thought there was going to be. Um, But adds a little air to it. Also, Juliana can be played by a human player come hunting you in your own game or an ai character so you know get ready for that to just to be ai because not many people are going to decide <laughs> yeah. to opt to be juliana in your game exactly i don't need that toxicity in my life um yeah 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 it's a weird one like you said this we've seen this game a lot and i think it's easy to forget that this was a game that was meant to be out 
two months ago uh, at one point in time um, and is still now two months away. Uh, I just don't know that, and this isn't a negative thing, but I just don't know that a gameplay demo like this is what we really need at this stage. I feel like we've already seen a lot of these environments. I feel like we've already seen uh, some of these enemies, and I feel like we've already seen, maybe not in as long and as uncut a form as this, but we've seen snippets right. of this kind of gameplay before. The you know These weapons, these powers that are being used. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 it's it's weird because when you ask me what I do think we need now from Deathloop or like what the next step should be, it's like I need to play it. And I know that's not an option right now, so fair enough. They do something like this and they've got a bit of a voiceover from one of the developers, um, one of the guys over at Arcane, kind of explaining some of the concepts as they're being doled out. And so I guess this is probably as close to a... You know, a sort of like a all points bulletin, a one hundred and one on on Death Loop as you can get at this stage. But at the same time, for me, this wasn't really what I needed to see, and maybe that's just me. Right. One thing that surprised me um, was it's much more. I can never. I always get this wrong. Roguelite, roguelikey than um, I thought it was going to be. Whereby you can carry different powers, different um, weapons over into different runs, and it depends how you know if you're if you're powered up in a certain way, you can save certain elements into your next run. Um, yeah. I hope which, that, I, I hope I it's not too strict. Like I've only just gotten over the p- punishment that was Returnal. So I don't need exactly. I don't need Deathloop to be too uh, strict with that stuff. That's exactly what I thought. I must admit Returnal was what jumped to mind when they were talking about how that process is going to work because they then sort of say like, "Oh, if you do this unlock where you can do two deaths per loop, so then you can die and die and then do that, carry on with that run. Even if you do die, you can go right back into the action without having to do all the stuff again. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is going to be much more of um, a Returnal than I'd appreciated. I thought it was going to be more like a Hitman-esque. I think uh, there still could be elements of Hitman, but it's like rather than a Hitman where, in Hitman you don't le- learn stuff explicitly by dying and looking at, it and looking at it again. In Hitman you learn stuff by just playing the levels over and over again by choice, whereas Deathloop is yes. almost like forcing that upon you by saying... Hey, every time you die, you're going to learn stuff and you're going to learn people's roots and where they end up at certain times and where you can intercept them. But just death is more of a part of it than it is in Hitman. Because there was an intro, because there was a very Hitman element whereby they said you can overhear yes, totally. uh, and listen to elements um, of the of the NPCs chatting away and the targets chatting away. And you can know, oh, this person's going to be here at this time so I can kill them because you need to take out these eight people in order to finish the game. So then I wondered, okay, so is that something whereby I could write down so-and-so ends up in this position at this time, so-and-so ends up at this position at this time, and I can make sure, uh, you know, Groundhog Day style, that I... at 15 minutes into the loop I am at this position and then I can make a sniper shot through this window and I know I'm going to nail this dude which kind of, which is really interesting like I like the idea of that yeah, um, yeah. and how that all folds out so yeah like you said it's something we have to look out for but let's do a quick one Jamie to finish up um, off the back of Death Loop let's talk about Assassin's Creed Infinity yeah um, which is a bit of a weird thing it is a bit of a weird thing so um I don't know. Just do, uh, how, uh, do you want me to give you? I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the, yeah, yeah, uh, the listeners a little it, rundown. Um, so I only heard about this before the show because Jamie sort of filled me in briefly. Uh, and this is following a report from Jason Schreier. Um, Ubisoft have acknowledged that they are working on a sort of an idea for a hub world uh, to hold the Assassin's Creed um, games in the future. Um, so, which is going to be called Infinity. Terrible name, but you know, there we go. Um, so. 
I suppose the idea from this is that you have this hub world which branches off into all the different Assassin's Creed stories that they will release in the future. So you don't effectively go into a new game every time. You have this existing environment, um, but it gives them the the option to produce not such big Assassin's Creed games, but they can also produce smaller content which lives in Infinity um, and to say, hey, this little 0.5 game has dropped in Infinity and is right. you know, a different character and different timeline. Exactly. Not really sure how that would work. Uh, I suppose it's all based on the animus and that you can, you'll be a person in a modern day environment maybe and you hop in the animus and you can go to different times and different things. But it's, it, I don't know, it's a weird one for me. What do you think? It, it, I'm with you. It, it is a bit of a strange one and it's sort of like, it's one of these things that makes sense in terms of when you break it down to its individual components, you can easily kind of understand exactly what they're going for. But when you try and imagine it as an actual entity, that comes out and you're like, okay, do I buy this outright? Is this something that sits on my, you know, my PlayStation five lineup? And then I launch this, then I launch other games and how many other games will there be? And how much am I paying for them? And, and blah, 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 blah. The, the, the intricacies of it become a little bit harder to absorb at this stage, but I, I, I'm not too surprised that Ubisoft are trying to explore some kind of new ground where they can, it's all about ecosystems, right? And what they've done, they've done more and more with Assassin's Creed games on an individual basis over the last couple of years is they've tried to keep you engaged by that game for longer than just the duration of the story or the duration of the campaign. And that's been through microtransactions, that's been through DLC, that's been through live events and updates and so on and so forth, going all the way back to Origins. They're always trying to find reasons for you to say, hey, I know you paid $60 for this already, but here's a reason, a, a free one or a paid one, to come back and maybe while you're here, you're going to buy some armor or you're going to buy a horse skin or you're going to buy a spear or you know, and so on and so forth. That's what they want. And if this is their sort of natural extension of that, which is that like, hey, it's hard to pe- keep people in games, so let's keep people in the thing that holds the games. Um and that Assassin's Creed Infinity becomes some like super ongoing thing that you're always a part of. Maybe there's got some. This is just me speculating, but maybe they find a way to add subscription elements to this. You know, maybe Assassin's Creed Infinity gets its own, you know, Assassin's Creed exclusive version of Ubisoft's uh, subscription service, where like if you pay a certain amount per month, you'll get ah, every right. single piece of Assassin's Creed content ever, and it all drops in this one easy to use app. Um, I don't That's know. a great point. I, don't I hadn't even thought. I hadn't even thought about. Well, because they've already because got a course, version of that thing, right? They've already got a subscription. It makes sense because if yeah, if they do, and if and I imagine, see, in my mind, what I don't like the idea of is you go into like a modern day world inside of you know in a game world, and it's an animus there, and there's also a shop, and you can go into the shop, and there's real what you can spend real money to buy, you know, access this time frame in the animus, and then that's the new game that's come out, like. That seems like a super weird way to, to sort of do that, but you're probably right in that if they can tie this to um, the subscription service of Ubisoft, then, hey, you're in that game and you yeah. automatically have everything added in. And they said that the the hub will change with the games that get released and it will change over time. But in my mind, again, all that is is there's a room you're not allowed into and then um, when they release a new game, suddenly that room becomes fixed the door got fixed and then you can go in the room and it's the viking room and you're like oh now i can well, play is it gonna i guess it depends on your interpretation of like how now we're talking about like is this going to be a menu or is this going to be a sort of an, right. like a like cause it doesn't have to be you walking around and going through doors like it could be like it will just, though, it could just it? be a fucking menu like 
I don't think it will be. I, I said to you before, it's, it's going to be Odyssey. They want it to be Odyssey for, or the Odyssey from, um, not the Odyssey, sorry, the Oasis from uh, Ready Player One. They want to create a little world where you're walking around and then you can jump into different games and you can do all sorts of different stuff. But Maybe. But then, the, I don't know, I don't know. I could Because I think the Animus as well already provides like a reason for some kind of menu to make sense. Do you remember when they were getting into right. like... Which games was it? Like uh, Syndicate, maybe, and uh, Unity, where and even Black Flag to a certain extent, where the Animus was already kind of a games console, and you would play as some random person right. in first person and walk up to it and sit at a computer and like, I want to play Black Flag now. Yeah, um, horrible. I think the other thing you maybe do with this is you put older Assassin's Creed games on it. Obviously, like backwards compatibility isn't a one size fits all solution, but they released that Ezio collection on PlayStation 4, so a PlayStation 5 version of Infinity could still let you theoretically access Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood and Revelations, and then you come up with some kind of solutions for the other one. You know, I think that's a, another a, a way to maybe, like, kind of sell a service out of the gate. Like, hey, if you start paying £10 a month from now, you get every single Assassin's Creed game ever made. And all the new yeah. ones. Uh, it, that's you mentioned like you go into a con you play the console in the game it does sound weird to me to be like any assassin's creed game i want to play i have to load like a thing where i play a console in a game to get no, into that, a game that, that was I me play that was me saying console. they've done that before i i i personally if i were them i would cut out the middle no, but this of that. is more of that but the, no i, th- I this think, is more I, th- that, I, th- I think I, I, if i think if i was developing assassin's creed infinity like just making a, a screen with titles on it like i don't need oh, I don't to don't need do i don't need to be why what do i benefit from being a person who walks around to choose something you just elongating the process be. people already complain about c- curses from destiny being uh, introduced again so you have to drag it across the screen then what, what's the person oh what, yeah that's what, so what, annoying yeah so what, what's even more annoying having to be a person that walks up to stuff what's the point that is super give yeah, me a menu. super annoying give me a menu i don't i find it strange that I, even to acknowledge it and to give it a name, if it's just a menu, if it's like right. an app that you just and also, on, that and also to weird. say that like uh, both the Quebec and Montreal studios are working on it. A bunch of the creative directors from recent games and even from other games like Clint Hocking, the Far Cry Two and Watch Dogs Legion guy, like a bunch of major Ubisoft creative leads are working on this thing. And also, it's not going to be out for a while, so like that does suggest you're right that if this was just going to be a menu of Assassin's Creed games then it, it could be out next year. No problem. There's not much work yes. to do there. So you are absolutely right that there's clearly something bigger to this that I'm not I'm not getting. But yeah. I will sh- I will eat my hat and I'll shut up if it is a really cool mini world where not only is there the games that you can access, but they also have elements in the in Infinity itself that are playable. So, for example, let's say there were, like, shooting ranges and there were, like, practice things where you could, like, practice with different weapons from all the different games and you can practice doing um, assassin kills and things and that all exists in uh, Infinity itself before you even go into a game. I would say, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, if you can... If it almost is a bit meta and you 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 have and you have other people in there as well who are uh doing that stuff and you can ha- it's more of a community hub i would say okay wow. fair enough they've done something a bit special with it um but we don't really almost like the division the more yeah maybe but I'm more just, than I'm, that. I'm just teasing <laughs> jesus now, let's, yeah, let's the, divi- the division infinity that's a game that i'm here for oh god no yeah absolutely <laughs> but uh, with that, Jamie, I think it's the end of our time. Um, thank right. you so much, everybody, for watching 
for listening to us. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter uh, at Super Show Pod. We are on um, podcasting platforms, all of the best ones. So, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and many others. Uh, if you are listening to us on a podcast, we are on a podcast platform, sorry, we are also on YouTube. So go there and you can watch our little faces as I say stupid things and Jamie does great reactions to, uh, to what I say. Um, I think the only thing left is for a... Um, a code word. Oh shit! Did we say anything funny this <laughs> this week? Mm. I don't know if we did. Do you know what? Let's go with something simple. Let's have Super Show Infinity. That that I think should oh, be the wow. code phrase. Super Show Infinity. That's the real um, hub, baby. That's the real hub. People people need to stop using Infinity in their things. But there you go. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, thank you, Jamie. Thank you for being here. Thank Hopefully you, Josie, for hosting. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Chris should be feeling better next week. Hopefully, so he'll be back. Um, and. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.